Oh, welcome. It's great to be back with the Brattlecast. And I say that because we've had a little summer lull, a little summer vacationing that is so necessary. But Ken is back with me, Jordan Rich, full boat, ready to go. And Ken, I first of all want to congratulate you. You're finally joining the ranks of us grandpas. That's great news. So good. It's amazing. Gotten to the point now where he smiles at me, and of course he's a genius if he knows that. <laughs> they but, only, uh, they, it only gets better. We, we were we were very fortunate, though. I'll tell you, with baby, he was born at the beginning of this pandemic. For his first few weeks, we weren't able to get up and get close to him. You know, we saw him from six feet away with masks on. We always went on Cape Cod, and uh, what we did was, our daughter said, if you go down there a week early. We even got tested and everything's fine. She'd agree to come down with her husband, the baby. And we got a couple of weeks where we could actually be there without masks on, without just our family. Uh, we were on a beach area that the closest people on the beach to us were probably 50 to 100 yards away. But we got to hold them. That's... And that was... Boy, did that to make the vacation. Talk about a gift in this crazy time. That is so wonderful. We're very happy for you and the entire family. And speaking of gifts, um, giving is always important. Uh, those of us who give feel better about it. But I think the gift of a book is absolutely a treasure because a book lasts forever, in my opinion. Let's talk about an organization that you were uh, very much a part of at the beginning. Now they've outgrown you, which is terrific, actually. It's called Reach Out and Read, and it's connected to uh, to the work you do. Well, it, it's interesting. Uh, I think one of the reasons that I wanted to do this is just from our beginnings, where I have a new grandson. It's not He's not quite at the <laughs> point of reading to him. Uh, although he likes and he, he obviously likes the attention, although a bottle usually now is more what he wants than anything. But there was uh, a lady, and this is back in the early 1980s. So this is a while ago. A lady came into our shop. She was a regular customer, older woman, and she said, do you have any children's books? And it wasn't at all what we normally sold her or what she was interested in. And she was a, a friend, a customer. I said, well, gee, why, why do you want these? And she said, there's a new program at Boston City Hospital where volunteers go in and read to the young patients, the pediatric ward. She said, a lot of them, it's really sad. They're in the hospital for long stays and they need attention. They need people paying attention to them. They, they need that contact. And, and a lot of them are fairly sick. So she would volunteer two or three times a week going in, getting a book, reading it to the various uh, young uh, patients and so on. And she said she just needs some more books. She needs some newer ones. And it sounded like a great idea to me. And, I, and you know, sometimes you wonder, someone comes in and say, I need books for this or that. And you wonder, you know, you hope that they're actually doing it, but you wonder. This lady, there was absolutely no question about it. So this went on for a few months. And we would get her a few new books and ask her what kind she wanted and what she needed. And uh, it went on. And then what happened was there was a doctor named Dr. Needleman at Boston City Hospital. He called us. It turned out he was one of the pediatricians at the hospital. And he said, look, we'd like to expand this. We'd like to get books to these uh, patients. And he said, the reality is Boston City Hospital uh, works with a lot of lower income 
poorer uh, people. Also, a lot of them, English isn't their first language, but they'd like them to be able to get books, uh, either to read in the waiting room or if they were inpatients. So we started giving him uh, books and uh, he would come down, he would drive over, uh, we'd give him three, four, five boxes of children's books. And in children's books, if you give three, four, five boxes, there are a lot of books. They're because they're thin. <laughs> no, normal books are bigger and thicker. Yeah, right. And then he, after once or twice, he says, I really want to apologize to you. He said, I put them out in the waiting room and they disappear. And, and he said, people are just taking them. And we said, no, don't be upset about that. We said, that's great. It means that they really like them and they're taking them. And I said, that's something you don't want to discourage. You want to encourage because they start reading. They want to take them. Maybe these are the few books they get. So we said, look, just let us know. We'll get you books. Uh, and so that worked out for a while. And then, then it started to get a little bit bigger at Boston City Hospital. And, and he said to us, you know, what we could really use now was trying to get more, uh, more donations and people are catching on and we're getting more volunteers and more books are being taken. And he said, but what we could use, really use is a lot of the patients are not your Caucasian white. Uh, they're Latino, they're black, they're almost any background that you can think mm. of. He said, we'd particularly like books either that are animals, other characters, or that they're multicultural and so on, which back in the 1980s were a little bit harder to get. And uh, animals were good because, again, they weren't the, the characters and the, the people. Well, I shouldn't say people. The, uh, the main characters right. were things that these kids could relate to. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we did that, and we at one point we had a thing going with a a wonderful children's magazine called the Horn Book, which was also located in Boston. And they used to review children's books for librarians, for schools, and they were the big uh, person and big company that were reviewing these. And they got hundreds of books every month for their review, and. They would be filling their offices, and for a while we would. They were having us come and pick them up and sell them. And what we would do immediately once we got this request is we then started picking out the ones with mixed families, uh, blended families, um, multiracial or cultural or sexual, uh, so that almost any person who was there could feel that they were reading to their appropriate to their children. And again, this went on for a few years. And the next thing we knew that uh, that this program, everybody loved it. it. It's when you really think about it, it's a fabulous idea. But then all of a sudden, publishers started contributing. Uh, they started becoming, uh, he had an office there with full-time employees. Uh, so this little project that started in the 1980s with Dr. Needleman at Boston City Hospital, now is a nationwide organization teaching and, and making the love of books. Uh, and of course, we always want young people uh, or uh, anybody to become 
interested in books. I mean, that's a way you get them caught on it. Absolutely. It, but uh, we were so thrilled that now they don't need us anymore uh, because this we're sort of small, but we I always look back on it when I hear about it and whenever I read about it. And now that I have a grandson, I always feel that, hey, we had something to do with the starting of this. Right. And whenever we see a pediatrician who comes in that we get to know, we say, do you put books out for the kids in your office? And to try to encourage them, we'll even say, hey, we'll give you a few boxes. We'll, we'll get you that. Uh, and, you know, it's a joy. I mean, I, when my children were young, I used to uh, read to them uh, every night. And we kept going and going. And, uh, and I'll tell you, one of the, the disappointments in my life was when they got old enough and they said, enough, Dad, <laughs> not reading. It is I even got to the point once where I have my older daughter who just had the baby is uh, 36 years old. And uh, I used to read the night before Christmas, every Christmas Eve right. to her on the same book. I mean, the same book, the same became a tradition. One year she was with her husband in Texas. So I had to do it on YouTube so that she on Christmas Eve could tune into the YouTube and listen to the reading. But that's the best part of being a grandfather, you know, because you can start all over again. They don't, they're a new audience for you. And I know what you're saying. Um, I want to go back, though, to what the, the main thesis here, which is books are, for many of us, eternal, and they are such beautiful legacy passers. You know, you, you give a book to a child, and that child might give it to a younger sibling, and they might keep it in the family and give it to a grandchild way down the line. I love that concept. It's kind of how you run your world in, in the bookstore, too. It, well, it's it's a wonderful concept with that special book that gets passed down and passed down. But I think what's even more valuable is passing down that love of reading, regardless what the books are. In other right. words, if I can pass down to my daughter who loves to read, and then if we can get that to her her son and my grandson, that love of reading and exposure to reading, and uh, I think that's as important as, yeah, you want that one or two or three special ones that 20, 30 years from now, they'll look back on it and be able to say, oh, yeah, grandpa gave me this one or my daughter with the uh, night before Christmas. I still have to read that same one to her uh, every Christmas Eve. And that's the joy of reading. But it's also, I think, that what really came up to me was the realization that Many people now that the multicultural books were very important. Maybe some of the classics that I felt were classics for kids with different backgrounds, they can have their own. And so you want to be very aware of who the audience right. is, what they right. feel comfortable with, and providing it. Because the more people who are reading and loving books and getting that knowledge and appreciating it, in the long run, that's education, and that's what I think our country really thrives on, is well education. You might not agree with everybody, but learning to read and being uh, loving to read gives them a leg up in it. You might want to go to the website, folks, reachoutandread.org, and they now serve 4.8 million children across the country. <laughs> I mean, well, that's amazing. That's incredible. And, and like I say, back when it first started, the pediatrician who started this would drive over from city hospital 
and uh, and and pick up a carload of books, and was apologizing initially for the kids taking and the parents taking the books out of the office. And our immediate reaction is, that's the best thing we've ever heard. And if you're a pediatrician or deal with young children, how whatever it's good, have some books in the office that they can be reading if they have to be waiting, and uh, just promote that love of books and reading. It's great for everybody. Well, we appreciate that update, and we're thrilled that the organization is doing so well. It, again, is online at reachoutandread.org. And you've been listening to the Brattled Cast, questions about books, buying, selling, appraising, and in some cases, donating. Ken, as always, thank you, my friend. Well, I love doing it, and if anyone wants the background of it, I'll fill it in, but go to their website if you want to give things to them.